Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Built for Playmakers podcast. I'm your host, Kelvin Hunt, editor of ChopChat.com. Fresh off of a trip to Jamaica for my wife's 40th birthday. Um, so have been out of action for the better part of a week or two. Um, appreciate you guys' patience. Uh, let me say that uh, if you've never been to Jamaica, I would highly recommend it. Beautiful place, beautiful culture. The food was wow, man. Food was out of this world. I uh, had a really great time. Um, so, so definitely would recommend um, checking that out. Uh, this episode is going to be focused on FSU football recruiting and I'm going to touch on the Link Jarrett FSU baseball uh, head coach introductory press conference. Uh, but before we get into that, let me go ahead and thank our sponsors over at betonline.ag, which continues to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's Wimbledon Finals, MLB, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. But yeah, man, um, been looking forward to to getting back into the saddle um, while I was in Jamaica of course, I still had to keep up, uh, keep tabs on things. I wasn't online a ton, but definitely, you know, kept my eyes to make sure nothing crazy um, went down as far as recruiting or commits or decommits. And, you know, I knew that this past weekend was going to be really important in terms of recruiting. They had a lot of a lot of official visitors on campus and it, from all accounts, those went well, and you know I've talked a little a little bit about uh, Chris Parsons' situation. I've, I've written about that, gave my thoughts on that. Um, I thought him showing up for the official visit was was big time in terms of giving a little bit of clarity. You know, definitely if he had not shown, I, you 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 pretty much could have just said you know he definitely wasn't going to be in the class. Him showing up makes me feel like. It's still going to depend on what happens with Brock Glenn. Uh, I think the Collins kid probably is out of the picture now. Uh, I think it's down to Glenn Parson. So it really depends on what Glenn does. And I think the coaching staff is, is playing it smart right now. If Glenn goes elsewhere, you know, you still have Parson in the fold. And I think as long as as long as no other quarterback commits, Parson stays. If Glenn commits, then I can see that changing. Um, so uh, they are they all three of them, Parson and Glenn and Collins, will be competing at the Elite Eleven competition this week. So interested to, to hear the feedback of what happens out there. Um, see if if there's some separation between those three. 
uh, how big the gap is, um, so forth and so on. But thought it was good that Parsons showed up at least uh, as a commit. You know, he did um, c- congratulate uh, Roderick Kearney on his um, commitment to FSU, which is a big time, big time commitment. And I wrote up, I wrote on Chop Chat on Monday morning uh, how that Kearney commitment could be, you know, it could be um, foreshadowing of things to come as far as uh, some summer recruiting uh, momentum. I know a lot of people were talking about Clemson uh, in in the month of June and how many, I think they've gotten like 11 or 12 commitments or something like that. And uh, I think Louisville has done well uh, on the recruiting front, though, as I wrote, as I wrote on the piece on Monday, I don't expect, I don't expect a lot of those commitments to Louisville to stick because almost all of them are out of state from either Texas or California. But, you know, it's a long time between here and December, but, yeah, it may be FSU's turn in terms of getting that that summer momentum. You know, they had a, a lot of quality guys on campus for official visits. You have Keldrick Falk, who was the number eighty four player player overall and number nine D lineman. He has a commitment date set for July fifth, and it sounds like it's down to Auburn, FSU, uh, Clemson. And Florida, Florida has absolutely zero momentum on the trail. So I think I think they're out. You got guys that were trending towards Florida, you know, weeks and months ago, and they're they're not even looking at Florida anymore. So Auburn, they have like two commits for their twenty twenty three recruiting class. I mean, that's the hometown school. I, I think the biggest threat probably is Clemson, but they already have a couple of of edge guys in that class already, not, not anyone that would scare fuck off, but at the same time, they, you know, they already have a couple of edge guys. So, uh, he strategically placed FSU last for the official visit, which I think, you know, says something. And he had been on campus more to FSU than he had anywhere else, um, other than Auburn, maybe. So also I saw that TJ Searcy, who FSU was in the picture, um, probably a month or so ago, he dropped the top four and FSU was not included in that um, within the last 24 hours. And he also is an edge rusher who's ranked uh, lower than Falk. So that could be another indicator of Falk maybe trending towards FSU. Uh, Another guy, Avery Stewart, uh, number 197 player overall, number 12 safety Basically, it sounds like it down to uh, Kentucky and FSU. Those are the only two schools that he has uh, taken official visits to. He has a July 6th commitment date. And um, I think his parents have been with him on both trips to FSU. So that's that's another one to keep an eye on. Of course, Brock Glenn announced that, you know, he wanted to make a decision shortly after the Elite 11 competition this week. And I think he just got a new offer from LSU. So, uh, and you got Texas A&M, FSU, Auburn's in the picture there too. So we'll, we'll just see how that shakes out. And then Lucas Simmons, who has a very good relationship with Alex Atkins. And whenever whenever he scheduled his, his FSU official visit, it was his last visit as well. 
So that seemed strategic. And also, I remember when he posted it on Twitter, he said something to the the lines of, I feel really good about this one. So, you know, FSU seems to be in a really good spot with Simmons, who's the number 107 player overall and number 13 offensive tackle nationally. And then you have the two running backs, Dalen Smothers and then Samuel Singleton. Um, the way Smothers was talking to knows 24-7 it was almost like he had already committed. I don't think that happened, but um, it, it sounded really good. Um, his parents liked it, and the same goes for Singleton. You know, he basically came out and said his parents want him to go to FSU. So, if FSU and both, of, and so Smothers indicated he wanted to commit sometime in July, and Singleton didn't really give an exact date, but you know that could be. That could be a decision sooner than later as well. Um, Smothers is the number 219 player overall, number nine running back. Singleton's the number 221 player overall, number 11 running back. And, you know, if FSU can get half of those guys, that would be, I mean, we're talking about some really quality players, not, you know, top 400, not top 500. We're talking about, you know, a top 100 player in Falk. Um, Stewart's right around 200. Simmons is a top 100, 107 player. And Smothers, they're right there at top 200. Um, and Glenn probably should be ranked a little higher than number 356 overall. I mean, but you're talking about, I mean, you're talking about some quality, quality players here for a team that, uh, you know, is coming off a five and seven record. Um, but granted, FSU, they, they they have four blue chip commitments. Four out of their, the eight commitments they have are blue chip guys. Two guys do not, the latest two commitments do not have a ranking officially yet as far as a composite ranking. So we'll see. But I, I like both of those guys. Both of those guys are, are takes, in my opinion. So um, FSU could be on the verge of, of some summer momentum that, you know, similar to what they had last year, you know, last year, they kind of, they were just, you know, every, every time you turn around, somebody was committing. And uh, another guy that he's not a blue chip player, but he um, visited for an official this past weekend was um, the um, defensive lineman uh, Tavion. His last name escapes me, but he's a uh, uh, inside interior defensive lineman. And one thing, one thing that, that really sticks out to me, especially over the last probably six to eight months, is how Mike Novell and staff are are aggressively attacking the trenches. You know, they had um, some very good takes uh, along the offensive line um, last recruiting cycle in 2022, both from, um, you know, the prep high school players as well as the transfer portal. And, of course, um, getting um, Ayobami, or the, also known as Ayo Tafasi, along with Bishop Thomas and uh, Daniel Lyons in the last recruiting cycle. Um, Tafasi basically replaces Tyree West, um, the guy that chose Tennessee over FSU right there on the um, early signing day um, disasters, we'll call it. But Tafasi kind of makes up for missing on West there. So that's three quality defensive tackles that you have, along with, um, you know, some quality guys on the off- offensive th- side of things. And so FSU is positioning itself to be competitive in the trenches with most teams in the a- ACC. 
and I know everybody wants uh, the the four and five star um, skill players at wide receiver and running back and and all that good stuff. But if you can get good play in the trenches, and if you remember, that's how Jimbo Fisher kind of attacked um, things whenever he took over for Bobby Bowden. He he spent a lot of time addressing the trenches. Um, specifically back then it was on the def- defensive side of the ball because the defense was awful in 2009 before he became head coach. But that is kind of the, you know, the blueprint to uh, becoming a winning program. You know, once you can establish the trenches, then, you know, you don't necessarily need elite talent at the skill positions to um, to win. Obviously, if you can get elite ten- a talent, then you can compete for national championships. But FSU is a, a little ways away from that. But the the way they are attacking the trenches is a, is a very good sign. And I'm kind of starting to rethink. Now, I still believe FSU should win. I still think they should win a minimum of, of seven games. I'm saying eight games um, this year. But it just depends on how the season goes. If they go seven and six, I know, I know a lot of people, and even I've said it, you know, if they go seven and six that, you know, Mike Novell wouldn't have a lot to sell on the recruiting trail, but at the same time, you know, things are lining up so that 2023 could be a year where they, where they really do break through as far as eight or nine wins. Um, because, you know, you, you're going to have some, the trenches are going to be good. You um you you should have a, a quarterback in Duffy more than likely that can um you know help you win some games and you know it'll be the third and fourth year uh, in the uh, offensive and defensive systems. So twenty twenty three could be a year where they break through, and it just depends on how this season goes in terms of uh, recruiting and how well they can recruit next year, but. I don't think what I'm what I'm trying to say is if Mike Novell goes seven to six this year, I'm not sure. I still think there's room. I think they're they're building a foundation that they can turn, you know, continue to turn this thing around. I think it's going to be a slow rebuild either way you look at it. Obviously, if they could win eight or nine games this year, that would um, expedite things because they have put a ton of work in the 2024 class. And if they can win eight or nine games this year, that means they would probably get uh, a good number of those top players in 2024 that they've been targeting this whole recruiting cycle. Um, so interested to see how, you know, how that all plays out. But um, if FSU gets the majority of these guys that I spoke about here over the last five, five, ten minutes, they're going to be in a great position to um, – you know, to clean up uh, whatever is left uh, if they have a strong season in 2022. So um, that's all I'll say on recruiting um, for now. We'll, we'll see how things shake out here in the next couple of weeks um, with these guys that we spoke about. But um, hopefully Falk will go th- get things off off to uh, a good start and followed by Stewart the next day. If they get those two guys, then I think um, – you know, uh, it'll be a good foreshadowing for things to come. But going to transition to uh, the Link Jarrett uh, press conference that went on today, uh, FSU introduced him um, as their 10th head baseball coach. 
And um, and I just wrote about it on chopchat.com. You can check it out. Um, it's titled Thoughts on the Link Jarrett uh, Press Conference. But one of the one of the things that stood out the most to me uh, from that press conference was and and before I watched this press conference, I went back and watched Mike Martin Jr.'s press conference. And and I'm not I'm not here to compare them per se or, or you know, put them put Mike Martin Jr. down, disrespect him or belittle him or anything like that. It's just an observation um, and how things work um, from from just a a personnel standpoint of, of how someone thinks. Right. So I went back and watched Mike Martin Jr.'s press conference. And of course, you know, he thinks everyone, he thinks everyone. And as a, as a new hire, you kind of want to lay out some, some, some not ground rules, but you kind of lay out some, your thoughts on things and, um, you know, expectations and, and things like that. And Mike Martin Jr., you know, he, he started to do that in his press conference and then he, you know, just started rambling kind of on and on about some things he wanted to change and he wanted to do this and he wanted to do that, but there was no, there was no real structure to it. It felt like, and then as it was almost like he, um, he caught himself rambling and just decided that it would just be better if he would just open things up for questions instead of rambling because it was like, he didn't have the experience to, lay out specifically what he wanted to say. And so when I watched Link Jarrett today, oh, it was it was very, very apparent, you know, the difference in how how things work uh, in regards to those two. You know, Link Jarrett was very. Um, how can I say this? He was very. Thoughtful in his responses whenever he, he was asked questions. And, you know, if he didn't know the answer, he was clear that he didn't know the answer. And, you know, and, and I'm talking about in, ter- in terms of, you know, who's going to be on the staff and, and and his thoughts on the players that were on the team right now. He showed up, told you, hey, I just got here from Omaha. So there's some things I don't know the answers to. But the way he was able to to lay out. You know, his expectations as far as the five distinct areas that have to be done at an elite level to to basically win a national championship, he laid out all five. So there, number one is evaluation. Number two is recruiting. Number three is player development. Number four is program development. And number five is in-game management. And off the top of his head, he gave you some in-depth examples of each. No notes. And um, and I wrote, I said, comparing the two, it felt like a, a, a butcher versus surgeon concept. And if you remember um, Trent Dilfer and James Winston in the Elite 11 um, clip from years ago, and um, Dilfer was explaining to James Winston the difference between the two. And he says, you know, you can be a butcher. You can you can stand in the pocket and, you know, you can you can do this and you can do that. And, um, you know, hope you hit the big play or whatever he said. But whenever it's uh, fourth quarter, uh, final drive of the game, he's like, you can't be a butcher. You got to be a surgeon, you know. And, and so wrapping his head around the butcher surgeon concept. 
And that's that's the first thing that came to my mind as I was watching Lincoln Jarrett talk um, at this press conference. Every everything was was precise. It was surgical and how he explained things. And and there is there is no question that Lincoln Jarrett believes he can win a national championship at FSU. I mean, he just went to the College World Series with a Notre Dame team that didn't have a lot of great players on it, on the team. They didn't get to practice, you know, on their their regular baseball fields for months at a time because of weather. Um, they had the most difficult road to the College World Series and still made it. They beat FSU four times last year. And when you combined – what Link Jarrett brings to the table as a two-time coach of the year um, coming to FSU, who who was recruiting at a high level, um, when I'm talking about future uh, recruiting classes under Meat and um, uh, Metcalf and, and Bellinger, they were they were recruiting at a high level, and you you have to assume that Jarrett can probably recruit at the same level or better. Given his resume and combine that with the tradition FSU, and then you combine that with um, the player development and just the the fundamental uh, aspect of how he attacks things and how and he explained it. You know, teams teams that don't beat themselves give themselves a much better opportunity to win. And it's something that I've been talking about the entire year with FSU, you know, when you, when you hear me talk about, Hey, you can't keep making errors and giving teams extra outs. You you can't walk, you can't walk up the, the eight, nine batter. You can't issue two out walks. You can't strike out looking with a ball right down the middle. All just all very simple things. But those are things that, that get you beat. Even if you have, you know, a talented team, a lot of times if you don't do the basic fundamentals correctly, and trust me, FSU has struggled with that mightily, you lose a lot of ball games, and that's something that we've seen, and I think that's something that that Jarrett probably realizes that needs to be addressed. So, I'm very, very excited to to see how he comes in and who he hires and. Um, which recruits, you know, trust him. And he asked them straight up in the press conference, you, you know, to trust me, trust me that, you know, we're going to do, um, you know, do things the right way. I'm going to honor your commitment. And, um, you know, we'll see who decides to stick, who decides to go elsewhere, you know, who decides to transfer to FSU um, from other places. And I'm very excited in the, in the, the direction of, of where things are going to go under Link Jarrett. Um, the guy's a proven winner, and he was clear in his expectations in terms of, of winning the national championship and, and bringing that elusive title to um, Tallahassee. So um, thought he did a great job at the press conference and really excited to see him get to work. But um, that's about all I have on this episode. Um, I really appreciate you guys I'm showing patience with me and, and sticking with me um, with my schedule. As sometimes it kind of gets crazy and whatnot. But uh, looking to um, hopefully be on here uh, more consistently, especially as as recruiting picks up and then we get closer to the season here uh, with July uh, entering the picture. 
Um, if you haven't had uh, an opportunity, make sure you go to uh, whichever platform you listen on and uh, and rate us. Um, hopefully five stars. If you feel like this has been entertaining or uh, informative, uh, really appreciate all of those that have done so um, thus far. I think we have 28 five star ratings and we would love to get up to 30 or more. Um, that definitely helps out the pod and make sure you um, share us on social media. And um, if you have any questions, make sure you shoot them my way. You can direct message me um, on the Built for Playmakers Twitter account or on my personal account at KH Chop Chat. And again, hopefully you guys are doing well and we look forward to seeing you guys next time. Check us out on BetOnline.ag and go Noles. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.